minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
קראתי אליך, הגשר עוד נוצר, איך אוכל בלעדיך לעבור, לחצות, איך אוכל זאת לעשות, אני יודע שאוזניך קשובות, עד יעבור זעם מחנוכן.
in the a.m. Friday morning on this October the 30th, day 17 in the month of Mar Cheshvan, the year 5776, Tufshin Ayin Vav. Hope you enjoyed the Kalbach presentation yesterday. 
Uh, an amazing way to commemorate his yardside each year with his incredible music here at JM and the AM. Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayera, candle lighting time at 5.34. It's going to be a while before it's 5.34 again because we change the clock tomorrow night. Here, we'll go from uh, Eastern Standard Time. Excuse me, we'll go from Eastern Daylight Time to Eastern Standard Time. Uh, tomorrow night, Sunday morning, 2 a.m. will become 1 a.m., a seven-hour time difference starting on Sunday morning with uh, the uh, Eastern Time Zone and the State of Israel. Keep that in mind. At this moment, it's a six-hour difference. And again, the Daylight Savings Time disappears and Eastern Standard Time returns uh, Sunday morning. 51 degrees outside with 40. Oh, which is good, by the way. Anybody running in the New York City Marathon, you get an extra hour of sleep. That works out nicely. Hmm. Uh, 51 degrees outside with 49% humidity, winds west at 6 miles per hour. Sunny today, a high 59. Tonight, clear with a low of 41 degrees. And tomorrow, mostly sunny. A high Shabbos of uh, 57. Yushalayim is at 68 with rain, thank God. We're at 51 here in Jersey City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Tzvi Silberstein with that brand new single, Vyatzmach. You heard Baruch Shalom Blasovsky with Bishvili. Title tracked his uh, debut album. We spoke with him earlier in the week. Uh, Mina Meitzar, that's God Elbaz, a brand new single. Yoni Z with Ode, that's a brand new single. Very nice song. From Sheves Haverim, volume number two, somewhat of a preview. That song is called Elio. You heard Avram Fried with a brand new single. It's called Reboin, and that's an Avram Fried release. And Regesh with Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's a JM and the AM Friday. <clears throat> Plenty to do on this Friday morning, including our... Weekly update, which is coming up. Malcolm Holmline is going to join us at 7.40 in the morning Eastern Time. I hope you have the NSN app so you can hear us clearly from anywhere around the world. And don't forget, you can comment on that app at any time. In fact, right now you can comment on the app if you wish. And we'll see that comment uh, right here in front of us. Comment on the app during any one of our programs. And as I said this morning, coming up at 7.40, the uh, weekly update with Malcolm Holmline. Not only can you hear it clearly on the NSN app, but if you miss any of it, the NSN app features its archive almost minutes after its conclusion. So you can get the archive immediately and start from the beginning and hear the weekly update. Rabbi Yudin coming up, of course, with Parshas Vayera. And um, I will check in with our friends from Yachad at some point during the morning as well. Naomi Nachman is coming up at 9 o'clock right after JM and the AM. The Aussie Gourmet with Table for Two. And, of course, Kedem presents the incredible Erev Shabbos music mix. That'll go all the way from uh, 10 a.m. until candle lighting time. There is no better way uh, to um, get into Shabbos and get ready for Shabbos than with the uh, Erev Shabbos music mix, and that is brought to you by our wonderful friends at Kedem. Um, I think Matis mentioned to me that... Oh, you know what? I know what Matis mentioned to me. He mentioned to me the possibility of a guest joining him. I'll let you know and give you the information about the possibilities of what's going to be happening Sunday morning. Don't forget, JM Sunday, every Sunday morning between 7 and 9 a.m. And um, this week, no exception. Matis Wine Guest does an amazing job every Sunday, and you get an opportunity to hear JM in the a.m. six days a week, essentially. That's right. With JM Sunday, basically six days a week. More coming up. It's JM in the a.m., and uh, these are the fellows from the Waterbury Yeshiva from the CD entitled Stay With Me.
ja venire venirás lišne je moj samo šija
Thank you. 
J.M. in the A.M. That is a um, selection done by Shlomi Toysig. It's called Adir Who. Actually, I think it's just called Adir, right? Got to edit that on the playlist. That's Adir here at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, before that, the um, single from Eitan Katz, Yaravna, from the Anim's Miros. What a beautiful song. A lot of people singing that these days. David Gabe with Vinizka off of Hakola Tova, Psachli B. That was the cast of the Waterbury Yeshiva. Uh, from the album entitled Stay With Me. It's J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning on this Erev Shabbos. Parsha's Vayera, candle lighting at 5.34 on this Erev Shabbos. Kalbach Shabbos coming up at the Mizrahi on the Lower East Side with Chazan Srili Hirsch. Yesterday, of course, the yard site of Reb Shlomo Kalbach. There are other minyanim, we're told. We're told the young Israel of Midwood has a uh, Kalbach Shabbos this week as well. Out in uh, Brooklyn, New York. And to all those who are commemorating the art site of Reb Shlomo Kalbach, Kolakavod, enjoy. Hope you're inspired. It is an inspiring davening, that's for sure. Uh, candle lighting 5.34. Daylight savings time ends tomorrow night. On Sunday morning, we go to standard time. We'll be back to a seven-hour difference between the eastern time zone and the state of Israel. 51 degrees outside with sunshine and a high temperature of 59. Clear night, low 41. And tomorrow, mostly sunny, a high temperature 57 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 68 with rain. Thank God. Uh, Jersey City at 51 degrees on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. And this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Uh, coming up at 9 o'clock this morning after JM and the AM, we get a chance to, uh, Visit with Naomi Nachman, the program entitled Table for Two. Uh, you'll hear it on jmnam.org. You'll see it at nachomsegel.com. And, of course, you'll hear it on the NSN app where you could hear everything from around the world. You could hear everything we do from anywhere in this world simply by tuning into the NSN app. And you can comment, by the way, on anything as well, um, which is really cool. So uh, coming up, it'll be uh, Naomi Nachman and the uh, Table for Two program starting at 9 o'clock this morning. And Kedem presents our incredible Erev Shabbos music mix. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live. From the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world in the web, jmnam.org. Galitzal, the background news from Israel is next. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 1 p.m. newscast for a Friday is next. Boker Tov from JMN. Galitzal, Ashaachat, Kan Shibel Karmi Mansur, Imashakore Achshab. ניסיון פיגוע דקירה בצומת תפוח, שוטר מגב נפצע קל מאוד, שני מחבלים נורו בזירה, כתבנו עם בל תמיר. שני פלסטינים שהגיעו בקטנוע לצומת תפוח בשומרון ניסו לדקור לוחם מגב שהיה במקום. הלוחם נפצע קל מאוד בידו, לוחמת נוספת שהייתה סמוך אליו, ירתה בשניים, הרגה אחד מהם ופצעה את השני קשה. כתב אישום הוגש הבוקר נגד בן השלוש עשרה שביצע את פיגוע הדקירה בפסגת זאב לפני כשבועיים. על פי כתב האישום, אחמד מנסרה ובן דודו ביצעו את הפיגוע כדי לסייע לחמאס ולרשות הפלסטינית. לדבריהם, כתבנו רומלי אור שמע את עורכת הדין ליזה וולפוס מפרקליטות מחוז ירושלים. פרקליטות מחוז ירושלים הגישה היום שלושה כתבי אישום, ואתמול כתב אישום נוסף בגין ניסיונות רצח שבוצעו על ידי צעירים, וביניהם 
נערה כבת 16 וקטין שהוא מתחת לגיל 14. המעשים שמיוחסים לנאשמים בכתב האישום הם מעשים שבוצעו באכזריות, תוך שהם גורמים לפציעות חמורות למתלוננים. כתבנו איתמר קציר מוסיף שכתב אישום הוגש הבוקר גם נגד תאמר ורידת בן 25 שדקר ופצע בינוני ישראלי סמוך לקניון הגדול בפתח תקווה לפני כשלושה שבועות. השר אריה דרעי יתפטר ממשרד הכלכלה כבר בשבוע הבא כחלק ממהלך שנועד להכשיר את מתווה הגז. במסגרת ההבנות בין דרעי לראש הממשלה נתניהו, משרדו הנוסף של דרעי ייקרא מעתה המשרד לפיתוח הנגב, הגליל והפריפריה. נתניהו עצמו יכהן במקביל גם כשר הכלכלה וישתמש בסמכויות המשרד כדי לאשר את מתווה הגז, פעולה שדרעי סירב לבצע. באופוזיציה תקפו בחריפות את המהלך, הנה יושב ראש ועדת הכלכלה של הכנסת, חבר הכנסת איתן כבל. אכזבה כל כך גדולה, כל כך עמוקה, מאריה מכלוף דרעי, זה שמתיימר להיות נציגם של השקופים, הפקיר אותם, במקום שאזרחי ישראל יהיו הנהנים הגדולים מנס הגז הגדול, אריה מכלוף דרעי דאג בהיותו שותף לתרגיל המסריח הזה, שרק ברוני הגז יהיו הנהנים הגדולים מכך. בווינה נפתחה הוועידה הבינלאומית לפתרון המשבר בסוריה. שר החוץ של צרפת, לורן פביוס, אמר עם בואו לוועידה על נשיא סוריה אסד לפנות את מקומו. לאסד יש חלק מרכזי בדרמה בסוריה, אסור שהוא יהיה חלק מעתידה, כך פביוס. כתבנו תיאו וייס מוסר שעל פי דיווחים בעולם, איראן, הנחשבת בעלת בריתה של סוריה, לא תתעקש עד על הישארותו של אסד בשלטון. התחזית גשם בצפון ובמרכז, מחר התחממות, אלה החדשות שעורך יותם ברקר.
couple of the unbelievable classics that we left out of yesterday's Kalbach special. Mimkomcho is first after our news from Israel. And then, of course, Keser, as it's called officially, Yachad, from Days Are Coming. Amazing, the great Rup Shlomo. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos Parshas Vayera with candle lighting at 534. Daylight savings time ends. We head to uh, Eastern Standard Time on Sunday. Uh, Sunday's the New York City Marathon. We're getting ready. New York City Marathon is Sunday. Yeah, we're getting ready. <laughs> New York City Marathon is Sunday morning. And um, three minyanim. Our good friend Peter Burkowski always reminds us there are three minyanim this time around. And uh, we'll give you the information in a moment, a little later on. Peter Burkowski at gmail.com has all the information. Peter Burkowski at gmail.com. Hey, a reminder, our friends at Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, have the Wandering Q. That's right, the big barbecue, the Wandering Q, coming this Sunday between noon and 9 at Shomri Torah on Morlot Avenue in Fairlawn, New Jersey. Again, the Wandering Q, that happens tonight in Fairlawn tonight. That happens Sunday, starting at 12 noon in Fairlawn, to so take advantage and enjoy. Um, that should be cool. The whole concept is pretty cool, frankly. Hey, I want to take this opportunity to wish a mazel tov to Miriam and Aaron Teitelbaum. Last night, the engagement of Heshi Teitelbaum to Frady Menzer of Borough Park, Brooklyn, to Gershi and Mindy Menzer, and of course to a Miriam and Aaron Teitelbaum, a very special mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. And someone told me yesterday on the mazel tov list, that uh, the Daskals, that's right, Shlemy Daskal, and his wife celebrating the birth of a brand new baby boy. So we say Mazal Tov to them from all of us here at JM in the AM. All right. Uh, more coming up here at JM in the AM. This is the uh, Michael Nadada CD, his Modaani at JM in the AM. Say, I told me. 
J.M. and the A.M. Moshav Ben, Boy Vishalom and Lachad Odi. Sherol Werdiger, before that was Zakenu. You heard the Modani done by Michael Nadato off of his uh, debut CD. Friday morning, it's JM in the AM at 7.32 on this Arab Shabbos Parshas Vayera, candle lighting at 5.34. And again, it's going to be a while before we're back to this uh, candle lighting time because we have the incredible Eastern Standard Time starting on Sunday morning. That's right, we fall back and there'll be an extra hour of sleep for those running in the New York City Marathon. And there will be a... Um, and there will be a seven-hour time difference again between the Eastern Time Zone and the State of Israel. So there you go. Uh, make sure to listen on our app to uh, around the world to uh, anything you want to hear, including all of our incredible archives. The app gives you a clear way to hear what's happening here, including the weekly update, which is coming up a few minutes from now with Malcolm Holmline. He'll be joining us, and we will... Uh, uh, speak with him about all the different things happening in this world of ours. Ellie Hagler is with us uh, live via telephone. Ellie Hagler, of course, the associate director at Yachad, somebody very familiar to listeners of this show and people who tune into the Nachum Siegel Network. In fact, he tells me, apparently, or the word is on the street, that uh, even though he no longer hosts the OU Jewish Reaction Show because of his uh, travel situation, he nevertheless, even with a rookie who has taken over for him, he nevertheless still tunes in. Ellie Hagler, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you very much. Good morning. So you're still listening, even if there's somebody not as qualified uh, leading the proceedings at the Jewish Reaction Show. Yeah, that's the beauty of the NSN app. Combined with, they put them rookie. <laughs> my, I, look, he has big, big feet to fill. But. <laughs> yeah, by the way, when it came to the big radio contest, what happened? You said this is your game, and you could beat anybody, even Nachum Siegel, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> even the best. Uh, anyway, I appreciate you tuning in, and I hope things are going well. The, uh, the Yachad Israel Pizza for Soldiers project is on. Now, Yachad is always trailblazing, do a lot of, doing a lot of interesting things, a lot of fun activities. Ellie, what's with this one? What's with the Pizza for Soldiers project, and how can our listeners get involved? So this is an idea that Yoel Sturman had, who, who you know, who's the sure. director of Yachad Israel, just wanted to do something nice and special and different uh, for the soldiers, thinking a little bit outside the box. Uh, so we came up with an idea, let's just get pizzas and bring them to the Army bases for the soldiers to enjoy. Uh, so that idea has kind of fleshed itself out that we're now combining it with Yachad programming, where we're going to have inclusive Yachad events, bringing together Yachad members and their typical peers, who for the most part will be yeshiva guys, seminary girls, and people doing a gap year in Israel. They'll get together at a pizza place making pizzas and working together to do it, and then we'll put everybody on a bus and take it to an army base to distribute the pizzas to the soldiers. Boy, talk about a chesed from start to finish, huh? <laughs> I, I would I would just go buy the pizzas and deliver them over. These guys are actually going to be making the pizzas. So we thought that would be a better way to continue promoting the inclusion and to have the yeshiva guys and seminary girls together with our Yachad members working on it together. All right. So Yachad Israel is uh, making and delivering pizzas to our IDF soldiers, uh, something extra special, especially during this time, as we know, as the soldiers more than anybody seem to be the target of the enemy. Um, it's $36 for a pie, and that is a reasonable amount for a charity pie, that we all have to admit. And uh, that reasonable amount... We'll get your uh, special message and regards to the soldiers through our friends at Yachad Israel. So Pizza for Soldiers Project, what should people do? How do they find this on the web? Ellie Hagler, what do people need to know? 
It's really easy. It's yaka.org slash pizza for soldiers with the number four. And on that site right there, you can choose how many pies you want. You can pay for them, and you can write a message that we will personalize on top of each pie. All right. Yachad will uh, bake the pizzas. They're going to have these events where they're going to be together doing that. Uh, there'll be transportation for Yachad members to and from these events. There'll be transportation for Yachad members to the Army base to deliver the pizza. And, yes, Ellie Hagler said what I think he just said. Whatever special message people have, you're actually going to put it on top of the pizza pie. So, so far, this has been going great, so much more than we expected. We've already um, People have already donated and bought more than 400 pies. Wow. So now we're setting our goals a little bit higher. We're really trying to get to 600. Uh, before Shabbos, so they, they've been coming in, flying in, which is really incredible, and because the demand is so much and there are so many pies being ordered, we're going to do this over three or four or five different events. Very nice. Taking to different army bases with using different uh, kids from different yeshivas and seminaries. Must be a great feeling having this thing kick off and uh, the response be so nice. Absolutely. Uh, one more time, the web address for everybody. Yachad.org slash pizza for soldiers with the number four. Thanks, Ellie. Always great hearing from you. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and I hope this is a great success. You too. Thanks so much. And our best to Yoel in Israel. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Malcolm Holmline coming up, Rabbi Yudin, of course, coming up. Reminder that Rabbi Yudin Shul is coming Sunday. Uh, the, um, the uh, what do they call it? The Wandering Queue. The Wandering Queue is going to be there from noon until 9, this Sunday, November the 1st, at Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey. Keep that in mind. That will be happening Sunday. Rabbi Yudin, of course, is going to be joining us coming up. The New York City Marathons has a minion. Uh, in fact, we'll try to give you that information before we go to the uh, interview with Malcolm. Uh, New York City Marathon has three minion in this coming Sunday. We wish good luck to all the listeners out there. They're going to be participating in the uh, New York City Marathon, especially those who are going to be participating for really good causes, and there are many of those. Yankee Lemmer is next. It's JM in the AM. Shabbos, <laughs> 
J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayera, candle lighting at 5.34. We will do, change the clock tomorrow night. We'll fall back. There'll be a seven-hour difference again between the Eastern Time Zone and Israel. And it'll be a while before we get back to this candle lighting time. Next week will be really, really early. 51 degrees, sunshine, a high of 59. Yaakov Shweki, of course, with Boi Vishalom. Before that, you heard the Yankee Lemmer selection. It is Shabbos is the name of the CD. That's his Miros Medley here at JM in the AM. The traveling Hasidim come to the new Springville Jewish Center tonight for the meal in Oneg. Tomorrow night for the amazing Kumsitz concert. New Springville Jewish Center on Saxon Avenue in Staten Island. Go and enjoy, everybody. They're always amazing. I had the privilege of uh, being there. Uh, once or twice for that performance. The Kalbach Shabbos tonight at the Mizrahi with Chazan Sroli Hirsch begins at 5.45 with Mincha tomorrow morning at 9.10. Tonight, the Oneg at the Beit HaNasi at 8.15. That's the Mizrahi at 2.49 East Broadway. If you're anywhere near the Lower East Side of Manhattan, should be a very, very inspiring davening. I'm told the Young Israel of Midwood also has a davening tonight for a Kalbach davening, a Kalbach service. Enjoy. And the Peter Burkowski, we're going to try to get him on for a minute or two in the third hour. Uh, the International Minion for the New York City Marathoners in its 32nd year. And this year, with J-Runners, they have three Minyanim going on. 7.15, 8.15, and 9.15. The easiest way to get this information, if you are running on Sunday and you want Minion information, is to email our friend Peter Burkowski. Peter Burkowski, B-E-R-K-O-W-S-K-Y, at gmail.com. Peter Burkowski at gmail.com. He's got all the info. We'll try to do more from our community calendar later as we try to fit everything into this action-packed JM and the AM radio program. Big thank you to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to enthusiastically uh, recommend us to their incredible number of readers. And a big thank you to our friends at OnlySimchas.com, including our material constantly in their amazing feed that now includes not just Simchas and Celebration, but great uh, informative and entertaining news items from around the Jewish world. A big thank you to OnlySimplas.com. Their expansion has worked really well. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update. I remind you that the weekly update in its entirety is available minutes after its completion in the NSN app. Go to the uh, weekly update section in the archive section of the NSN app, and you'll know what I mean. Malcolm Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Did you say you were running in the marathon? Not a chance. I don't even know if I'm brave enough to walk the beginning of the marathon. Uh, um, All right, Young Israel of Oceanside, correct? That's the place tonight and tomorrow to hear Malcolm Honline expound and expand on what he says this morning on JM and the AM, correct? I give the Rashi on what I say today, right. Young Israel of Oceanside, tonight and tomorrow, Malcolm Honline will be there. Make sure to be tuned in if you're in the Young Israel of Oceanside to his important words. Boy, there's a lot of important stuff going on. Uh, Malcolm, it's incredible what happens in the span of a week. You would argue, of course, that things change minute to minute already at this at this point in our history. But a, a week later, and it's just so obvious that the enemy, and maybe at the urging of the head of the PA, and that's something I wish you would address, has taken the battle straight to the Israeli soldiers. They are obviously very concerned, it looks like, very concerned about worldwide opinion and reaction when people go on these uh, stabbing sprees through major cities and against regular civilians, and now they're heading to Judea and Samaria, and specifically to Israeli soldiers. Is this the right assessment of what the enemy is doing right now? Well, I think that they they do understand and have been getting a lot of pressure from the international community uh, about uh, damping down the violence. What's interesting to me is how much the, they've heard from the Arab world about um, 
about the violence and, and putting the onus on Abbas to do things to, to start controlling it. And the, um, uh, even the King of Jordan, after the meetings in Amman, came out very strongly calling on Abbas to, to do more and to stop the incitement. Uh, the, the question of whether they can really control it, whether they know who the next target is going to be, is uh, is a question we can't answer because we haven't yet we don't know yet if there is a centralized system of of activation and through the incitement are they in fact uh, targeting particular audiences today the stabbing victims were not soldiers um, one was the yeshiva boy there were two uh, wounded victims from the attack this afternoon in Yerushalayim right so I think it's but today, but today in one case, yeah, but today in one case it does affirm the Judea and Samaria part of the argument. Yes, right. This, the other one was in Yerushalayim. Right, understood. Uh, and this has been, and I think you just said it in your words, but just to make it clear to everybody, this has been at the urging of the head of the PA, correct? Well, there's no doubt that that Abbas constant references to Al-Aqsa being under siege, that saying that there's a change in the status quo. And then two, two other things this week. One was that the French proposal for um, uh, talks between Netanyahu and Abbas, which Netanyahu accepted, and once again, Abbas, as he did last year, uh, still unanswered the uh, request from the United States and other efforts to bring the parties together. He has rejected them. That's on one thing. And the second thing was that out of the discussions that Secretary Kerry had with Prime Minister Netanyahu in Germany, and then in uh, in Amman with King Abdullah and, and President Abbas, the suggestion emerged of having cameras uh, on the Temple Mount that would then determine and be able to monitor if there, in fact, is a change in the status quo. Israel accepted the proposal and, in fact, uh, added to it, it augmented the original idea and said, let it be live streaming. Let it go on the Internet. Let everybody see what's really happening up there. Who's violating the status quo? Who's piling up rocks inside the mosque and use it to bring in weapons? Who's harassing tour- the tourists and people who go up on there? Who's praying there? Who's not? Let the world see it. We have nothing to hide. And it was what the Prime Minister said and others said. And Abbas and the Palestinians rejected <laughs> Because they don't want the world to see the truth and to see that, that what he has been saying, uh, which unfortunately is accepted by very broad swaths of the people, the Palestinians, uh, in various studies that were done, including of Israeli Arabs, who have bought into the, to the propaganda lies, which uh, are constantly being thrown at them from, uh, uh, from the various Internet and other sources uh, which they have access to. So majorities, you know, buy into the idea that there's a change in the status quo and that they they, they want to destroy the Al-Aqsa Mosque, etc. And the the so the these were only two of the many developments that we could talk about um, of what they call the Naifada. That's what they're calling it now. The Naifada, right? Because it isn't the Intifada. You don't see the broad base. Uh, what do we call a popular uprising? I think is how they translated about right. it last time. Um, so they they uh, and it reflects many other changes which which I think have to be studied carefully 
uh, and if you read some of the writings of the Palestinians and some of the of the Israeli Arab uh, uh, leaders, that uh, that one of them who wrote an interesting piece, Basim Tawil, that this is really a jihad. Mm-hmm. He said this is a holy war. Don't call it intifada. This is this wave of terrorism is a jihad, and the attacks on Jews, whether in Israel or in the Shtachim or in the settlements or anywhere else are part of the global jihad yeah. that they say yeah but in response to the jihad I always wonder if it's a good idea to even engage in the argument about the change in the status quo I wonder if that's a sign of weakness you know, as a lot of people ponder and we have Chayisara coming up next week we know what's been happening in Hebron I'm sure the people there are, you know, very concerned about security, etc. Probably, I probably, I'm just assuming. There's only an assumption. You know, are not sure exactly how to handle next Shabbos, and in general, big crowds gathering in Israel. I'm sure it's an issue in a lot of different places. I just, I, I, I don't know what the proper response is to all of this, and what the proper response should be when, when we are being challenged, or when Israel is being challenged on the issue of the status quo, for example. Sometimes I feel that it, it's beneath the people of Israel to even address the issue. Do you know what I mean? I understand completely what you mean, and uh, frankly, it sometimes bothers me as well that uh, about the nature of how this is interpreted and why we have to apologize for Jews and Christians and others going up on the Temple Mount without praying, not being allowed to pray, and setting so many restrictions on ourselves. Uh, but now that the charge is out there, and and you see how many people around the world are buying into it, and and using this to justify the scores of attacks that have taken place. You know, when you, you we don't read about many of the attacks that uh, uh, that, that have taken place, because often there, if there's no fatality, it's often ignored, or if there isn't a serious uh, injury. But the fact is that there are many that have been prevented. That's why the Palestinian death toll is, is uh, higher, and people always say, well, it's not balanced, there are less Israelis dead, because Israelis aren't going around trying to stab people. Yeah, exactly. And when Israelis did, they took action against them. You know that an Arab member of the Knesset went up to uh, Harabai this violation week. violation of, of uh, the rule that the government put down that nobody should go up, and, and this is part of that. Uh, another thing that bothered me is that when we set rules and said that, that, uh, that members of the government, Knesset members, it has to apply to all Knesset members. There shouldn't be exceptions, and it was a provocative act on his part. And we'll have to see what consequences the Knesset can come up with to uh, to show that they're serious in the same way that the international community has to show that, that we're serious. And I think that's why uh, Netanyahu agreed to the cameras and, and other things, because Israel has to show and can show very rightly that the, the, where the provocations are coming from. So I assume there were, there were no repercussions for that Arab MK, right? Well, he was rebuked by the prime minister, but I don't know that there was any uh, sanction yet uh, against him. But it, it, you know, we have to see. It's still early. One of the things that was interesting—I don't know if you saw that Lenny that David came up with, uh, who's been monitoring all these photographs uh, that came out of uh, archives that have been looked at Library of Congress and others—that in 1927 there was. A, an earthquake that affected Yerushalayim, and Al-Aqsa Mosque was uh, seriously damaged. And during the years of renovation, uh, photographers went there and uh, uh, went under the mosque 
not only into it, and they documented all the mosaics, the passageways, the cisterns, and even lumber that was apparently part of, of the Beis HaMikdash. <laughs> Ancient thing. And it had been on display uh, uh, at the uh, Harabayat, uh, just laying there, um, even re- in recent years. Nobody knows where it is now. And the Mufti, um, the current Mufti of Jerusalem, and interesting in view of all of the dis- discussions of the, his predecessor uh, during World War II, right. He, he said last week that Al-Aqsa was built 3,000 years ago, <laughs> and since the creation of the world, in fact. And he said there never was a Jewish temple or a shrine or Temple Mount, and et cetera, even though all of this proof exists. And, and you know, Islam didn't exist 3,000 years ago. You know, it's interesting. We are the only people that have any proof to any of this. And that have now, because of the archaeological genius that we see, you know, going on, and you, you, every time you go to Israel, you find out more and more about this. We're the only ones who, as a people, as a tradition, as a religion, can lay claim to any of this for that length of time. And yet, we are, we are the ones that end up being on the defensive compared to the other religions, and certainly, obviously, compared to Islam. And that all of the archaeological finds only confirm they may move geographic, uh, say that the, the boundaries of the city of David and David's time was here, was there. But all of the discoveries, all the things they're digging up, confirm the biblical accounts and confirm the legitimacy of the, of the Jewish claim. There was, in fact, an interesting campaign going on about declaring uh, the Jews to be the indigenous people. There was a resolution introduced at the World Zionist Congress, <laughs> and shockingly, there was opposition to it. <laughs> Uh, maybe not so shockingly. <laughs> Look at who some of the groups were, uh, the, the Israel Fund, the J Street, and other back groups, um, to, to the claim that Jews are indigenous to this area, that you know they're trying to say we're interlopers, and, and here is the fact that there's no people on earth who speak the same language, have the same religion, read the same Torah, do, you know, have the, the same language, as their ancestors 3,000 years ago in the same place. So who's more indigenous to an area than the Jews are to Israel? And this, you know, when you have these committees at the UN on indigenous people and their rights, and whether it's aboriginals and others, well, guess who fits in there? It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org. By the way, I mean, I, again, I don't know to what level the Arab MK was rebuked, but Sibi Chotavelli, when she made her, when she didn't visit, but just made her opinion known about the Temple Mount, she was really rebuked, and there were rumors that she would have to be thrown out of the Knesset. Yeah, but it hasn't stopped her from continuing to make... Uh to make statements uh, not just about our vice, but about virtually everything. Well, I don't know. You know, from her political position, I don't know if that's such a bad thing, frankly. Well, it depends where and what you say, but and I'm not. I'm just saying that that whatever rebuke she may have gotten is not stopped. <laughs> right, it hasn't stopped her. Understood. Understood. Deputy Foreign Minister. Right. Has uh, plenty of platforms in which to speak. Right. So you might recommend that as Deputy Foreign Minister, one has to be very careful how and what they say. All right, understood. Um, um, there is a there is an article that I saw that claimed that BB now in an effort to 
come together with the Jewish left uh, after the whole Iran deal, etc., etc. On the uh, on the tenth of November, we'll be speaking for the Center for American Progress. Is he in fact going to use this opportunity as he visits uh, the President of the United States and goes through this this journey in the U.S. Uh, at the beginning of November to try to mend some of these fences? Well, I certainly think that uh, that is part of the reason he he accepted his speaking engagement at AEI in Washington, which is a right-wing group, and I think to balance it, they are going to cap it. It's not without controversy. There are people who, who think that uh, it's a mistake because some of their, their resident scholars have been uh, less than friendly, and it's, you know, it's a very left uh, entity. But, in fact, that's the constituency he wants to reach out to to try and, and win back. And if you don't you know, confront them where they are, then, then you're not going to be able to reach them. So I think it's it's a question of balance. It's a question um, that you will see uh, addressed in different formats, reaching out to Democrats, reaching out to others. I think they will try to put aside a lot of the hostility of the uh, and some of the co- controversies of the last few months that the Prime Minister, both in his public remarks and he'd be making a couple other speeches too, but mostly in his meeting with the the President. I think both sides uh, want this to come out uh, in a positive way. And you see the uh, Yalom this week, who was in, in Washington, the defense minister, uh, said, uh, you know, the conflict over the Iran thing is behind us. It's over. We're moving on. They are looking for areas of cooperation. Uh, I'm not going to say that uh, this is uh, the tensions of these last because are just going to go away. But I think it's very important that we, again, make sure that Israel is seen as a bipartisan issue. There are a lot of things coming up, including the memo of understanding the ten year, next 10 years of, um, hopefully, of the defense uh, appropriation, what the American government will commit to as a minimum. Until now, it was $3.1 billion a year. Hopefully, it will go up, given the uh, new circumstances, especially after the Iran deal. So I think, uh, overall, this will be an attempt to put things back on track. As uh, as far as you know, the new Speaker of the House has not invited him to address Congress, right? <laughs> Come on, that was a great line. That the, was a very good God, line. thank you very much there, Malcolm. I appreciate that. <laughs> but that's why also what I said is that everybody be careful right now, especially when they speak in Washington, because the media just jumps on anything that they say, regardless of whether there was, that there was nothing inappropriate about it. But People have to be careful right now because, you know, he is trying to put things back on track. You want, uh, as they deal with situations like in Syria, like the escalating involvement of Iran, the flow of weapons, the Russians flying Syrian uh, weapons in for Iran twice a day now, they admit. I mean, we have so many issues where the United States and Israel have to are on the same side in principle, but have to translate that. There are massive uh, a, a massive exercise today in Israel uh, of the air forces of the United States, Israel, uh, Greece, uh, Poland, others, and with many other countries. Right. And I, I got to get to to Russia and Syria, and we will in a second. But but you you raised such a, you talked about a moment ago the memo of understanding cooperation U.S. and Israel. You've told us a lot about this topic and reassured us a lot over the last few months and years. Really, what about and people ask me this in light of the uh, incidents in Israel. What is the status of PA security cooperation with Israel at this point? 
is, is there? I mean, I, I would assume on a case by case basis, it, 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 it's altered on a case by case basis. So I would assume, but is there a, a way to generally describe there has to be some type of cooperation between the two security authorities, between the two police forces. Am I right or wrong? You're right, and the answer is, in one word, good. It is good? And maybe in two words, not good. But in one word, good. Huh. And, and uh, it's a question I asked uh, visiting Israeli officials over the last couple of days just to verify because we had heard varying accounts. Uh, but the fact is that on-the-ground activities, between the Palestinian security forces, uh, coordination with Israel has been good. I tell you, hard to believe sometimes, but I know sometimes I've been to Israel and you know, and you you see the facts on the ground, the type of cooperation that's going on. You you can't believe sometimes the way the Israelis are cooperating, but I guess to a degree that happens the other way around as well. So and there are raids all the time going on. Every, almost every night there were arrests. Uh, I think during the, the, the night before, but uh, also they have to understand that in the bottom line that the, the Palestinians are worried about things too. You know, there's a new, supposedly a new Palestinian terror group um, that is backed by Iran called uh, Al-Sabirin, which is uh, mostly uh, former Palestinian Islamic Jihad members, but they supposedly already have 400 members. and. One of their top leaders was killed two weeks ago. But they say that Iran has been giving them new types of weapons, more advanced weapons, including uh, Grad and Fajar missiles Hmm. and other stuff. So this is a threat, you know, to the to the Palestinians. So the cooperation, you know, serves their purpose uh, as well. uh, As it does uh, obviously Israel. Do you know when people ask me, and I don't know if you're the same way to line up Iran, Syria, ISIS, and Russia. Give me the sides. Give me the, the give me the, you know, who's against who. Do you know it's impossible to do that? It, it, it's, uh, it's improbable. It's, uh, it, is, it is very difficult. And if you remember many years ago, I told you that, that to understand the Syrian war, it's like an onion. You have to peel layer after layer. Right. That this isn't a war between Assad and the rebels. It was a war between Sunnis and Shiites between, uh, uh, you know, Christians, Alawites, Sunnis, Shiites, uh, Druze, Huranis, and it's in part because Syria was not a a real country. It was an artificial construct of the colonial powers in the Sykes-Picot Agreement who who created uh, what we know as Syria, and now we see the disintegration as we do in Libya, which was not a, a real country. And in, inside, if you just look at some of the reports, the things that we monitor, um, the, the conflict in the Middle East today that I think is underestimated uh, is between Saudi Arabia and Iran. And it's being manifested in many places, like in Yemen, right. which is completely a war between Saudi Arabia and Iran, but also in, uh, in uh, Syria. And that's why I think the talks are going to be very hard, because these two uh, are at each other's throats. And it has much broader implications that we can talk about. But Hezbollah, for instance, is fighting, is very committed, has perhaps 6,000 people there. They've lost well over 1,000 uh, of their fighters. And interestingly, in last week, uh, the, uh, there's an elite El Radwan battalion that is being decimated and, I heard, even faces disintegration because it's lost many of its key commanders. And 
the, um, uh, the, the FSA, the Free Syrian Army, thinks that Hezbollah lost uh, about 1,263 men in recent uh, in the recent fighting and, and over the last I guess year or two, um, and the the and if you go through all the numbers, you know that it, the IRGC lost 20 people in the last week in in the fighting in Syria, and they have thousands on the ground. Nobody knows the exact number, but uh, some have estimated two to three thousand uh, fighters under Iranian control. But they are getting more and more directly involved. So the sides are that. Right now, it's the Syrian government with Iran and Russia against the, the rebels who are loosely affiliated but not really uh, together with uh, al-Qaeda and al-Nusra and the other uh, uh, groups that are fighting. So you, you don't have clear-cut sides. You have multifaceted sides, and you have al-Nusra, for instance, in the Golan and in different places, different uh, groups are fighting each other. But the coordination is today uh, between the Syrian army, Russia, and they're mostly focused on Damascus and Aleppo, but they've been bombing homes. They bombed other areas. And the Russians are using, uh, the majority of the weapons they're using do not have real good guidance systems. So they're really meant as, as weapons of terror. They kill indiscriminately. And uh, you don't hear the world rising up and outrage and indignation oh that's for sure and, and those and those that they're fighting together russia and syria those rebels that they're fighting are isis or are not isis or could be isis it's both they the the russians uh, said that they would fight isis but in fact probably 75 percent 80 percent of the bombs they're using are against rebels because their main goal is to keep assad in power to consolidate their control, especially over the area around Latakia, where they have a big base. And Homs is important because it controls the roads and the access both to that area, to the southern uh, area. Uh, and uh, so Russia has its goals. Iran obviously wants to keep Assad in power above all, but they want to try and get closer to, to the Golan. And we know that there were some bombings uh, taking place closer to the Golan area. And something Israel monitors very carefully. The uh, uh, so the, the uh, Russians, who would have a real interest in bombing the ISIS, because there are hundreds of people from Dagestan uh, and from Chechnya and other areas, and and the Russians have their own Islamist problem, which they are bought off by their aid to Iran, and now again their involvement in, in Syria to a degree. But most of their bombing rates have been against um, uh, have, have been against the rebels that we know, the pre-Syrian army and other rebel groups. Russia has a Muslim population whose birth rate is three times that of the Russian population, the general population, and they have a real problem in recruitment in their military, which. But in this decade, will be 40% Muslim itself. Right. And how would you describe Israel's fear up north? Then sometimes, you know, when you when you see those close to you in that situation over the border fighting with each other, sometimes countries take comfort in that. Obviously, Israel has its eyes and ears open up there. What are they most concerned about? That the groups unite. That the uh, that they use attacks against Israel a way of uniting the people, the different the, the conflicting forces that uh, uh, Russia is able to establish a real pre- um, uh, Iran is able to establish a real presence 
close to the Golan. Right now, the, the Al Nusra groups that are along the border have been have been fighting against the uh, other forces and beat them back. Actually, a coalition of the Syrian army, Hezbollah, and IRGC. Uh, so, because they're tied up in other areas, but this Iran has always said that this is their defense border, uh, i.e., the Syrian-Lebanese border with Israel, and that is, I think, the big concern to them is, is seeing them build up a capacity there of them supplying weapons to, and more and more advanced weapons to uh, Hezbollah. The fact that they're able to fly them in in violation of the sanctions. Uh, that the Russians are flying in Iranian uh, uh, weapons all the time. These are the the major concerns because you you open up a frontier and you build up their capacity. And, and you know they now have uh, these drones, which if you remember we spoke about, mm-hmm. which carry uh, grenades, right. rocket propelled grenades, and they've been using them effectively in some of the fighting and been able to you know bring them in and hit targets, civilian targets in the various places. The fear is that this goes to Hezbollah then, and they can use it across the border with, with Israel. Right, God forbid, boy. And we don't have an iron dome for that yet, huh? <laughs> no, you try to shoot it down, but the the point is that it underscores just the concern about, right. you know, getting letting Iran get too close to the border, too integrated into their, their forces, integrated into the, into the zone that border Israel. And we know that there was, there was increased fighting near the Golan this week. Right. Uh, finally, Mr. Honline, um, a, a difficult topic for me to bring up, especially in my uh, mission here of as much Jewish unity as possible, so I will say this in as, as sensitive a way as possible. Um, you've emphasized for us how important it is for people to be very careful with their public words. Um, ev- even if an article is written tongue-in-cheek, I don't think anybody identified as being a Jew should encourage or discourage the enemy in a public forum from killing or not killing certain groups of Jews. And I'll expound if you don't know what I'm referring to, but I figured you do know. Um, Maybe just remind everybody how dangerous this is and how our enemies, no matter how we view each other, never see the difference between us. They don't see the difference between us. The, the enemy is the existence of the Jewish people. If anything, the focus on Harabayit, on the Temple Mount, and on, on uh, Kevarachel, and on Marat Machpelah should underscore that to everybody, that it's a war against the Jewish people, it's a war against the Jewish state, it's a war against Jewish history, and they make no distinction. And, you know, people always have to be careful and all of us can fall in the trap and we say things and then they get misinterpreted and misrepresented so you always have to think you try to think two or three times about what you say and about how it can be misconstrued and misused and a time when you know i was in the white house this week and things you know were said to me about uh, stuff and i thank god could answer most of it but people always have to be careful and whether you're an official or whether you know you, you write stuff and because of the Internet today, especially, everything goes viral. And by the time people read it, there's the, the humor and the context can be completely lost. And, the, um, and you know, given the, the nature of all of the challenges that we face, the one thing we can't do today is divide ourselves. And that's why we did the Shabbat of Solidarity, which I have to thank you for letting us put in the air, because it was 
so electric to see the response in less than 48 hours all over the, the world. I mean, amazing uh, response and the and spontaneous and, and by and large and many young people on campuses and other places uh, doing this job of solidarity with the people of Israel uh, two weeks ago uh, and then followed last week by uh, this amazing Shabbat uh, around the world I guess so we've got to focus on what we have in common and people and that's why I made the comment earlier that ministers especially and people who are in important positions even if it is their position, when when they say things that appear to extol, uh, to, to um, put forward a policy that the government does not agree with, and I know how upset the prime minister was by some of these comments because it compromises all of them, and then it's used against us. Yeah. And the the um, you know the challenges that we have right now in Europe, you have the influx of hundreds of thousands of people, many of whom bear virulently anti-Semitic points of view, those coming from Syria and other places, and this has been tested. I'm not saying something, uh, you know, just uh, haphazardly. This is this is a real concern, especially in Germany, I know, where they've gone to the government about it, that you have all of these uh, hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants that they're trying to integrate and creating parallel societies in, in many cases. Uh, and that they have little contact, some of the, uh, these immigrants, with mainstream uh, German society, yet they're, you know, coming with these deeply ingrained anti-Semitic attitudes. So we need all the resources and all of our firepower to be able to deal with all of the uh, multiple issues. And so I urge everybody, just be careful with what you say. Think about the consequences of it. It doesn't say not to be critical or not to be... To express your points of view, and people have done amazing things during the, the months of the debates and the, the Iran issue and many other things, and we shouldn't be put down and, and told that we lost, we didn't, it's not true. Yeah, and if you see how the and if you see how the enemy has used some of this material, you'll understand why it's so dangerous. Exactly right. Um, the Young Israel of Oceanside tonight and tomorrow with Malcolm Honline. Enjoy, everybody. Um, and uh, I wish you a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll reconvene Bezrat Hashem next week. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, Parshas Vayera, candle lighting at 534 on this era of Shabbos. 534. We'll change the clock tomorrow night. It'll go back to... Uh, to standard time, uh, it'll go back to standard time, a seven-hour difference with Israel. And uh, the New York City Marathoners get an extra hour of sleep. I guess everybody gets an extra hour of sleep, and I should say. Uh, we'll do our community calendar, as much of it as we can, coming up. In Shomrei Torah and Fairlawn, they welcome the Wandering Queue from noon till nine this coming Sunday. The Wandering Queue from noon until nine at Shomrei Torah on Morlot Avenue in Fairlawn, New Jersey. Enjoy. This time each and every Friday morning, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of congregation, Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Pasha's Vayera. Pasha's Vayera is such a rich parasha. It begins with the extraordinary... And that's the only word you can use, extraordinary, chesed of Avramavinu, whereby the Navi Micha in chapter 7 
Pasuk 20 speaks and gives the identifying mark of Emes Yaakov, that Yaakov was a man of truth, not to say that Avram and Yisak were not, but that was a hallmark of his character, and Chesed Avram, literally kindness to Abraham. Where do we see that? That on a very hot day, that God intentionally made it very hot, so that people would not be out, so that Avram could recuperate from his circumcision. Avram is more pained that he cannot extend hospitality, that Hashem has to send literally three angels disguised as men, that they could be the subjects of Avram's hospitality. And note, what is Avram doing? Avram is, quote, entertaining the Shekhinah. God comes to visit him. And the rabbis tell us this is one of the sources of the mitzvah of Bikrocholim, to visit the sick. So God himself comes to be with Avram. Avram sees these three, quote, nomads, and he says to Avram, to God, says Avram to God, excuse me, Please, make yourself comfortable, wait until I take care of them. And them, to lure them in, he says, it's such a hot day, come on, I'll give you a little bit of some brownies and some lemonade, and before you know it, he whips up a feast, which is literally fit for the most special guests. And not only that, he involves his entire household in this incredible mitzvah of Hachnasas Orchim, literally the welcoming the guests, to which the Talmud says, looking at the action of Avraham, Gedola Hachnasas Orchim, literally, greater is the treating and tending to guests than even Kabbalah's Pnei than even affording and hosting God's presence itself. A very powerful concept. And as we move on in the parsha, we see Avram's kindness uh, extended even to Sodom, that it's only because there could not be nine plus God in any of the cities that's why the negotiations go from 50 to 45 to 40, 30, 20, 10, that Avram has no choice but to accede to God's decision of destruction of these communities. You have in Parshas Vayera, the Torah reading that we are familiar for the first and second day of Rosh Hashanah. And I'd like to talk about the end of the parsha, that which is familiar to all of us, the Akedah. And what do we find? At the beginning of chapter 22, where the Torah tells us that God literally tested Avraham, so he says to him in the second verse, Kachno es bincha es yechidcha, please, 
take your son, your only son, and, as we know, the way Avram understood it, bring him up as an offering upon one of the mountains, which I shall show you. Now, interestingly, the word no, while it's translated by Unculus, the Aramaic translation, as ka'an, meaning now, take now your son, as opposed to in a month from now, in six weeks from now, Rashi understands the term no as please. And the way the Sifsei Chachamim explains the Rashi is that over here it means please, and very often Rashi does agree with the Ungolis. So what is the text saying here now with Kach no? And I read the Rashi to you. The term no is to be understood in this context as please. Amalo, God said to Avraham, Bivakoshamimcha, I'm making a request of you. Amoldli Bozani Sayom. Please pass this test. Shloyomru, so that others shouldn't say Horishonos, the first tests, and we know that everybody agrees to that number. 10, in the 5th chapter of Avos, which teaches that Avram was tested with 10 tests, everybody agrees to the number 10. What exactly the 10 tests were, that is the difference between the Rambam Maimonides, the Ramban Nachmanides, and Rashi. And so Rashi goes on to say that please, God says to Avraham, pass this test so that people shouldn't say that the first nine Horishonos Mamosh. The first nine were not really substantial. And so Avram, please pass this one because this one is Mamosh, this one is substantial. Now you don't have to take a note and write down all the other nine according to Rashi. They're different, like I said, to the Rambam and Ramban. But, <clears throat> according to Rashi, the first test was that Nimrod, who wanted to kill Avraham, so Avraham had to hide underground for 13 years. That sounds like a test. The second one is that he throws him into the furnace. That sounds like a significant test. The third one is Lech Lecha, that he has to leave not only the familiar, familiar surroundings, he leaves his father, culture, everything. Fourth one is he finally gets to Canaan, you remember last week, and there's a famine in the land, and he doesn't complain, according to Rashi. The fifth one is that Sarah is taken by both Paro and Avimelech. And the sixth is, he goes to war against four kings who defeat the five kings. And not only that, he is at the bris ben absorim, at the covenant that God makes between the pieces, which according to the das zakenim, mibali tosvos, he's 70 years old. God gives him the vision for the future that his descendants are going to be subjugated, not just in Egypt for, quote, Arba Meoshana for the 400 years, but for four kingdoms. And after that, Avram has to circumcise himself, which sounds like a significant test. And he's told by God, who agrees with Sarah in this week's 
parsha to send away his son Yishmael and Yishmael's mother Hagar. So how could anybody say that if Avram would not have passed his tenth test, the first nine would have been considered like a something which were insubstantial, and therefore suggests Rav Shimon Schwab, Zecher Tzadik Levracha, in the Sefer, which has his Divrei Torah of Mayan base Hashoeva, something very perceptive, and that is as follows. The first nine tests occurred to Avraham and Avram alone. It showed that Avraham was an incredible man who had such devotion to God and complete and total Mesiras Nefesh, that he was ready, willing, and able to give his life, his essence for God. However, all of these tests were on him and him alone. Now and only now, with the tenth test, is Avram not the only one being tested. But rather, the test is not only is Avram going to do this, but is Yitzchak going to cooperate? Is Yitzchak going to fight his father and say, Abba, I think you're carrying this religious bit just a little bit too far? Remember that Yitzchak at the time is not a little boy. He is, according to our rabbis, 37 years old, who certainly could have put up a significant fight against his father, who was 137. And what do we find? We find just the opposite. We find that it's called the Akedah. Did you ever stop and ask yourself why this very familiar incident, narrative in the Torah is called the Akedah. The Akedah literally means the binding. Why are we focusing on that? And I'd like to suggest one of the reasons is because Yitzchak says to his father, Abba, says the Medrash, says Yitzchak to his father, bind me more tightly, tie me down, lest I flinch and in the process, I disqualify the carbon. Now, just as it is so almost impossible for you and I to visualize Avram's picking up the macheles, the knife, lishchot as bino, literally to slaughter his son, which, think about it, what he's doing is, aside from the natural emotional connection of a father and a son. But this is literally Avram sacrificing his past. He went around teaching people God doesn't want human sacrifice. Not only would he be a laughing stock and a hypocrite, but whatever he taught until now would unfortunately become null and void. And secondly, he is sacrificing his future because 
God promised him when he sent away Yishmael, Ki bi Yitzchak Through Yitzchak will there be continuity. And now he's being asked to slaughter Yitzchak. He's giving up his past. He's giving up his future. So not only can we appreciate the incredible challenge that this was to Avram, but that Yitzchak says, bind me tighter. What does this show? This shows that Avram has fulfilled what God says in the parasha. Why do I love Avram? I love him because Avram is going to do what no other monotheist was able to do, and that is to transmit and to perpetuate to the next generation his belief and his Mesiras Nefesh, his incredible love for God, devotion for God, and willingness to give everything to God. And thus, that's what it means, suggests Rav Schwab, that Rashi says the first nine didn't have mamush because as challenging as the other nine tests were. And we're not saying that the other nine were easy. But now we're giving a different definition and we're saying what is mamush, what has substance, that which is being perpetuated. And so what a powerful lesson emerges from this Parsha. And I'd like to share with you that which we find in Tehillim 119. And Tehillim 119 is the longest chapter of Tehillim. It's the longest chapter in the whole Tanakh. And what do you find? Eight verses of each letter alphabetically arranged. And so when it comes to the Nun, the seventh verse of the Nuns is Nochalti Edvosecho Liolam. David HaMelech says, I have literally perpetuated your testimonies forever. How? Listen to the last half of the verse. Because they are the joy of my heart. In other words, David is giving the secret. You want to perpetuate to your children and grandchildren. Show them how much you enjoy Torah. Show them how much you enjoy mitzvot. Show them how much you enjoy the Shabbos. Make sure that your Shabbos table is such that your children are staying at the table and not quickly wandering off because they can't relate to that which is going on. Think and prepare for the Shabbos just the way you prepare special foods and you set the table and everything about it is so special. Prepare how you're going to entertain and keep the children interested in what is going on. And just a quick aside, to many communities, what I'm going to sing now does not apply. But this Motsoi Shabbos, this Saturday night is, forgive me, in the, well, in the world, Halloween. And therefore, just understand, you'll take a look at the 18th chapter of the book of Ayikra, Pasuk 3, for our children, for unfortunately, God forbid, for a Jewish child to get up in costume and to go trick-or-treating is a violation of that which the Torah says, you are not to follow their ways. Giving candy to them, 
you have to use your good judgment. You have to, depending upon the neighborhood that you're living in, etc. And you want to have a friendly relationship with your neighbors as well. That's a different story because of Darke Shalom and because of Eva, you might very well be able to give their children some candy. It's an opportunity to explain to your children that not only is this not our holiday, but thank God our holidays are um, based upon beautiful traditions that focus upon God and His kindness to our people as opposed to some of the, quote, other aspects of their tradition. What a great opportunity this is to learn from Avraham this beautiful lesson of Mamush, of perpetuating our devotion to the next generation. Shabbat Shalom to all. Won't you join us at the celebration? Yeah.
Zari Baruch Chait, Shabbos Candles, an amazing brand new song done in uh, honor of the Shabbos project. It was an, it was an honor for us to have everybody Chait on a couple of weeks ago. Not a couple of weeks ago, it was last week. <laughs> to discuss the song. Mazel Tov to Malki and Mayer. The Dembitzer and Gartner families celebrated last night in Brooklyn, New York. We say Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Yes, that's Palm Pilot Penny. Yes, 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 that's him. <laughs> He's the... Uh, Father of the bride, right? I think I have that right. Sometimes you can't tell with those invitations. Um, let's see. Traveling Hasidim at the New Springville Jewish Center. I'm going to try to do the community calendar really quick because uh, Peter Burkowski is waiting for us. I want to get him on for a minute. Traveling Hasidim coming to uh, 120 Saxon Avenue, the New Springville Jewish Center on Staten Island. That's uh, tonight, of course, with the uh, davening and oneg, and uh, with meal and oneg, and uh, tomorrow night with the big Kumsitz concert. Contact the New Springville Jewish Center on Staten Island for information. Kalbach Shabbos with Chazan Sroli Hirsch of the Mizrahi. We'll start at 5:45 tonight with Mincha at 2:49 East Broadway. If you're anywhere near, make sure to be at. Excuse me. Make sure to be at the uh, Mizrahi tonight. If you're anywhere close by. By the way, during the the weekly. Update. Malcolm Holman was talking about the um, the 1927 pictures, the photographs, lumber, base amikdash. If you heard, if you heard it, you know what I mean. If not, you should go hear it. Mayor Weingarten did a brilliant Israel show on this topic this past Monday, with an incredible, incredible um, amount of information about uh, the mizbeach in Shiloh, and you, you just and the archaeological finds. Um, I highly recommend at some point this weekend you listen to it. 
the Israel Show with Mayor Weingarten. It's Mondays at 9, right after JM and the AM. But check out the archive from this past Monday. Just incredible. The Maccabees are in concert. They're happening in uh, the Adas Israel, 565 Broadway in Passaic, starting at 2 p.m. this coming Sunday. Information, jfsclifton.org slash Maccabees, jfsclifton.org, or call 973-777-7638. Reminder, JEC Breweria High School, the Breweria Division, has an open house for 8th graders and their parents starting at 9.30 in the morning this coming Sunday in Elizabeth, New Jersey. That's Breweria, 9.30 in the morning this Sunday. And a reminder that our friends at TABC have their uh, open house this coming Sunday in um, in Teaneck, New Jersey, TABC, on uh, Queen Anne Road in Teaneck. They'll start with registration 915. The presentation will begin at 10 o'clock. If you see any seagulls there, make sure to say hi from all of us. I will not see them most of the weekend, <laughs> the seagulls that you'll see there Sunday. So send regards. Um, the International Minion for New York City Marathoners is Sunday. All the marathoners and all of us get an extra hour of sleep. So on the new time, the Minionim are 7.15, 8.15, and 9.15. Peter Burkowski has been organizing this since 1983. Uh, the International Minion, along with J-Runners, has now three Minionim before the, before, I was about to say fundraising marathon, before the New York City Marathon. Peter Burkowski, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Good morning. Yeah, tell everybody. Tell you just got back from Israel. Tell everybody what you told me about running in Tel Aviv. Go right ahead, sir. Okay, thanks. We were uh, we, my wife and I were there for most of the month uh, to visit our son Jesse, whose birthday is today. If you're listening, Jess, happy, happy birthday. birthday. Um, and we witnessed an event on October 20th that was amazing. It's related to running, uh, the fifth annual Tel Aviv Night Run. Twenty-five thousand men and women from all over Israel ran a 10K fun run through the streets of Tel Aviv on a Tuesday night starting at 9 p.m., cheered on by thousands more at curbside and eating at sidewalk cafes. I mean, people were really enjoying themselves, despite the image that's portrayed in much of the U.S. media of a populace that's hunkering down, cowering in their basements. It's just not true. Yes, there's, there's lots of tension there, but, you know, there's this annual survey. I think it's called the Global Happiness Index. Right. Uh, it tests how happy people are in their own countries all over the world. And with all the tension in Israel, all the threats of violence, all the political battles, the complaints about the bureaucracy, Israelis always score in the highest rankings of this survey. And uh, more of us should be visiting. It, it's, and it, we shouldn't be intimidated. And I'll tell you this, among the groups that were, are not intimidated, I saw busloads of Christian tourists, busloads of Asian tourists. Can't we do any... We, we can't do any less than that. Anyway, I was so impressed with with the attitude of Israelis that yeah. Well, you're leaving this me. Your opinion at the marathon is going to be dedicated to those plucky Israelis. Who, <laughs> they just seem to flourish despite all the pressures that no other people in the world have to endure. Well, there's no question about and it. And as usual, we'll have lots of Israelis uh, davening with us. There are people from around the world, including Israel, who come in for the marathon. That's for sure. Uh, it's three minyanim, as we said. Is there anything people need to know? If they're a runner, they should choose their minion carefully, right? Yes, they should um, try to um, choose a minion that will get them fit. The davening takes about a half hour. Right. They should be, be finished at least 45 minutes before their start. The, the marathon starts, I think, in four different waves. 
So that's why we have more than one minion. All right, so everybody out there, if you're and uh, if they if they're bringing to fill in, no problem. They can bring it to fill in. On all the security people have been alerted. We will take the the fill in and carry it into Manhattan, uh, where they will pick it up near the finish line at the Spanish and Portuguese synagogue. I know, I forgot. Totally secure. I for, that's a very important thing to mention. Fill in, sedurim, talaisim. The minion organizers will pick up. You won't take anything else, but you'll take those items. That's correct. And you'll take them to Spanish Portuguese synagogue right there near the park. Any information about any of this? If you're a runner on Sunday, excuse me, and we wish everybody good luck uh, on the, in the New York City Marathon, especially those running for great organizations. Peter Burkowski at gmail.com. Peter Burkowski at gmail.com. Call a vote, Peter. Thank you so Have a much. Good job. And your words about Israel, boy, um, you put a big smile on my face hearing about an event like that and the way uh, everybody in Israel enjoyed it. Thank God, thank God. I want to remind everybody that on Tuesday night, November the 3rd, starting at 7 p.m., our friends at Yeshiva University have a session called Straight Talk About Your Child's Future at Yeshiva University. It's at the home of Adina and Ezra Dykman, 135-3778th Road in Kew Gardens Hills. The president of Yeshiva University, Richard M. Joel, uh, Rabbi Menachem Penner, uh, the dean of Reitz, Michael Strauss, associate dean of Sai Sims, and many other uh, distinguished people from Yeshiva University are going to be there uh, to address the crowd that's going to be at the parlor meeting at the Dykeman Home in Kew Gardens Hills this coming Tuesday night. We'll remind you, of course, at the beginning of next week. And I got in a great, great email from the Melman family. Mazel Tov, the bris taking place this morning of their brand new son and grandson, Mazel Tov, Yitzi and Ahuva Melman. They're celebrating the birth of a son and the bris this morning in Brooklyn. And to Rabbi Shaya and Suri Levy and our wonderful friends Morty and Sivi Melman, we say Mazel Tov from all of us here. At JM and the AM. And if Shimon Lefkowitz is at the Briss, everybody, make sure to go over and wish him good luck because, um, the game three of the World Series is tonight, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, I want to make sure to wish Shimon well and all the Met fans in the, uh, in the quest to get back into the World Series. Plenty more coming up. This is JM in the AM. I remind you, amazing programming all through the weekend. We actually start our amazing, um, stream and web programming with the Nahum Siegel Network. Right at 9 a.m., everybody's invited to a table for two with Naomi Nachman. Uh, enjoy table for two with Naomi Nachman. Today, she features an amazing array of guests, and she'll be on video, by the way, on the homepage of NahumSiegel.com. Uh, Donnie Klein from the travel blog, Yeah, That's Kosher. Also on the phone from Atlanta will be Roberta Shore from the Kosher Resource website, Kosher Eye, and founder of Kosher Feast Dinner. And in the studio, Melinda Strauss, who runs the Kosher Food Bloggers Conference. They will all be part of the uh, a table for two coming up uh, in just minutes here at jmnam.org and on the NSN app. Of course, the Kedem presentation of our incredible Erev Shabbos music mix. It's going to be happening. Um, that's going to be happening uh, right afterwards, 10 a.m. until uh, until candlelighting time. And Matis brings you JM Sunday with a full English language newscast between 7 and 9 a.m. this coming Sunday on the stream at jmam.org and on the NSN app. Make sure you are tuned in. Here's Shlomo Katz. Uh-huh. 
Shlomo Katz, candlelighting at 5.34 on this era of Shabbos. Hey, a special hello to listener Steve and listener Larry and friends who are tuned in in Morocco. Woo! Thank you very much. Hope the bus ride is going well over there. Time to say good Shabbos. It's Journeys at JM in the AM. Blessing on a cup that's filled with wine. 
Israel and Achim Achem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listen to sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial broadcasting live from the Sony and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Wraps up an amazing week for us here at JM and the AM. Thanks so much for tuning in. Coming up next on jamnam.org and on the NSN app, you will be enjoying Table for Two with Naomi Nachman and her amazing guests. A Kedem presentation of our Erev Shabbos music mix all the way until candlelighting time. Best way to go into Shabbos. Saturday Night Siegel tomorrow night with all of our great Saturday night programming. And Sunday, of course, JM Sunday with Matis at 7 a.m. and at 7 p.m. Court Report with Elliot Weiselberg, a brand new edition if you're into the Yeshiva League, that is the place to be Sunday nights at 7 p.m. Have a wonderful Shabbos, great weekend. Don't forget to change the clock, everybody, till a Monday. Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.